All right, let's go home. Man. Okay. If you could uh, open up your Bibles, please, to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8. And if you are super agile, feel free to uh, jump on over and have one finger at the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation chapter 21, uh, first three verses. We're answering the question today, um, what happens to the earth? Last week we talked about the fact that God has this plan to restore our bodies, our physical bodies, but just to, uh, to tack on to that, the idea that, that God is not only going to be restoring our physical bodies, uh, he has a plan for this earth as well. And so we see Paul bringing up that, that longing and that question in Romans 8, and then we see the, the reaction in the end of the Bible when, when John is given this vision of what it's going to look like in this, this new creation. And so let's go ahead and take a look at that. If you've got your Bibles or, or not, if you can go ahead and stand as we read God's Word. Paul says this in Romans 8, beginning with verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. In, for in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And then John's vision speaks into that in Revelation 21 when he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, the question that we often have when we think about the end of the world or, or, or even what the new world will be like is, well, I'm going to go to heaven when I die. The odd thing is, is that um, you're not going to find I'm going to heaven when I die anywhere in the Bible. That phrase, going to heaven when, you're, when you die, was not something that the biblical authors were interested in. They understood that ultimately God was going to do something in the end, a restorative work. But before that, um, when we die, we have this, what we're looking forward to is simply being with Jesus. When Jesus was talking with the thief on the cross who was repentant, um, he doesn't talk about heaven. He says, today you'll be with me in paradise. When Paul was talking to um, the Philippian church about the fact that he's probably going to be executed, he said, look, this is going to make you sad, but don't be sad. Be glad because when I think about death, it, the reality is, and he doesn't say, I'm going to heaven. He says, I'm going to get a chance to be with Christ. Um, later on, he's talking uh, to another church, the uh, church in Corinth, and he says that the idea and the reality of, our, of a future state with Christ, that that actually gives us the hope, uh, the hope that it gives us the ability to go through and engage any context, difficulty, whatever that we're going through, because even death can't stand up to it. Because when we think about death, death doesn't mean death for the believer. It means we get to be with the Lord. And so the focal point was on that, but in, even in the midst of that focal point, we hear in, in the passage we just read out of Romans 8 that Paul said, that's good. When we get a chance to be with Jesus, how amazing it is. But you know what we're groaning for? We're groaning for the finishing of his work. 
Uh, he, Paul uses the word stenazomen, which, which means literally groaning. And, and it's that idea of I am groaning. But, but he says I'm groaning not just as a person who stepped on, uh, like, uh, stepped on some type of a thorn or stepped on a nail that's just like I'm groaning because of the pain I'm going through. He says it's groaning like a woman in childbirth who's groaning, cognizant of the pain she's going through, but understanding that there's an outcome on the flip side of this. There's a new life, a new birth, a new reality. And what Paul says that we're, we're, we're groaning for physically is the rescuing, the rescuing that's going to take place that's going to actually be our salvation. Now, he's not talking here about, about the fact that we put our trust in Jesus and we're saved in that moment. I believe that happens. If you're someone who's lost in your sin and you trust Jesus with your sin, you are saved. But that's not the end product. The end product is the fact that he's ultimately going to finish that work, Philippians 1, 6 says, at the end of time. And so the end product is not just I get to go to heaven when I die. The end product is the idea that my physical being gets to be, or my, my spiritual being gets to be reunited with my physical being. See, I, I, I get saved. But the cool thing about what Paul's saying in this passage is we're not the only ones who get saved. The earth itself gets saved. And that's really, really good news. I mean, this is really, really good news to anyone who's in the 80s who listened to Belinda Carlisle, who now see that she was so true and so right that yes, heaven is a place on earth. Ooh, 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 heaven is a place on earth. And N.T. Wright puts it like, like this. It is the remaking of creation, having dealt with the evil that is defacing and distorting it. And it is accomplished by the same God, now known in Jesus Christ, through whom it was made in the first place. So if you're someone who is a part of the restorative work of God, if that's something that you've, you've opened up to Jesus' work inside of you, I just want to tell you briefly today what you can look forward to. Because the idea that we see in Scripture is not God destroys this planet. We see that the fire describing, covering this planet is the restorative and purifying. God actually doesn't, he doesn't kick it to the curb. He, and and in, in that passage in the book of Revelation, he doesn't say, I'm making all new things. He's saying, I am taking the things that already are, and I'm making them new. I'm making all things that are already now new. It's restoration. It's redemption. It's amazing. And so here's three things that you have to look forward to. If you're part of that restorative work of Jesus, if you open yourself up to that, these are things that you have to look forward to in the new earth. First off, any damage that's caused directly by humans will be repaired. And if you grew up, well, anywhere you grew up, you're going to see the damage of humanity on this planet. And I can tell you firsthand because I grew up here. I grew up in Southern California in Los Angeles area where every day we didn't simply get the weather report um, because the weather's always the same. They get really bored with that in LA. It's in the 70s again. So, that, I mean, that, that happens. And so, like, what you'd get along with the weather report, every morning we'd wake up in the morning and we, we were not waiting for the, the wind chill report. We didn't know what a wind chill was. We didn't, weren't waiting to see if we were going to have a snow day. There was no snow days. All we had was earthquake days. And so, the, what, I was, what we were waiting for was the, the smog report because they would tell us, is, is it going to be an orange or a red? It's never going to be green because that's clean air. But is it going to be an orange or a red? Because if it's red, and that's what we're praying for, if it's red, that means we don't have to run at P.E., because red means that it's too toxic to run outside and have any type of physical activity. If you don't believe me, this is my, a picture of my fifth grade class right here. And um, 
it was super, super bad. Now, here's the thing. I'm, I'm somebody that, that has a difficult time um, when I see litter. I can walk past gar- like a messy living room. I could walk by a messy desk. Go look at my desk. You'll see. I can, I can be blind to that. But there's something about being on a hike or being in the ocean when you see garbage that just is, it is repulsive to me. And I get that that's hypocritical and that's a dichotomy. But there's something about looking at God's art that's, God's art just garbaged up that kills me. When you recognize how much garbage and plastic, how many miles of it are floating around the Pacific Ocean, totally polluting it. And like you look at that, you go, this is not, this is not right. Christians, people who understand that God is the creator should not say this is okay. And we should do something about that. But the cool thing is on top of the fact that we should do something about that now because we know the artist who did it, is on top of that, we can say not only that, no matter how much work we put into it now, that is going to be finished by God because he's going to take this in the new world. He'll take something like this and make it this. How amazing will that be? Are you looking forward to that? Like, I am so blown away with that. Yes, any damage caused directly by humans will be repaired. Revelation 21, 1 through 4 affirms that. Not only that, but there's going to be a complete renovation of Earth's ecosystem. That means that famine in the new world will be outlawed, and and, and drought is going to be destroyed, and earthquakes aren't going to rattle us, and, and, uh, and floods aren't going to overtake us. And any wind that we experience, man, they could huff and puff, but they will not blow our house down because we are going to be in a brand new renovated ecosystem. The ecosystem will be purified and, and changed. In the book of Revelation, you have a couple of even natural ecosystems that seem to be, or natural aspects of nature that seem to be altered and, and troubling so to me. Um, one was that it t- describes in the book of Revelation that there's no, in the passage we read, there will no longer be any sea. Well, I like the sea. Like that's, that seems to be like a, that seems to be like a negative, not a positive. And you have other passages in the book of Revelation that say, and there will be no longer any night. But you have to understand that what God is giving John, who is in the ancient world, he's giving John an understanding of how, what, what quality of life this is going to be. In the ancient world, bodies of water were barricades to human flourishing. I am separated by people. If I go across this, I might die. There's danger. There's fear. I don't know what's going to happen if I embark across this ocean. And what he's saying is, in the new world, there will be no barricade to human flourishing. Nighttime, there will no longer be any night. Well, I like night. I mean, night, night's not something that's dangerous or scary, but, it, but if you think about it, in the ancient world, as soon as the sun sets, all of a sudden, the danger surfaces. Even today, if you're someone that struggles with depression or anxiety, some of the most difficult time is when you wake up in the night and you can't sleep and you're just waiting for the dawn and just it feels like 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. are dragging on as the insomnia continues to drag you along and you're just begging for no more night, for sun. No matter how uh, safe your neighborhood is, you probably lock your doors when you go and you leave your house. But not only that, no matter how safe your neighborhood is, even when you're at home at nighttime, before you go to bed, most of you, I would say, lock your doors, right? Why? How insecure are you? I mean, you're home. What could possibly happen? We live in a constant state of fear of night. God wanted John to pass on. You don't have to. That, that's not going to be a, a fear. And, that, and the reality is, is that coexistence is a value that we have in 2019. I mean, we put it on bumper stickers. But the reason that we have to put it on bumper stickers and say that we're all about desi- the desire of coexistence is because that's not the norm. Normative is tribalism and competition and survival. 
And that's the reality until we get to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, when heaven itself, and this is why we put, made the set this way, heaven itself descends down to restore this earth. And when that happens, when all of a sudden we're living in that restorative place, it's, coexistence is gonna look like a joke compared to what God's given us because he's given us something better than coexistence. He's given us peace because he's our king and he's the prince of peace. And it goes down to our locked doors and it goes down to the roots of the trees and the foundations of the mountains and even the animal kingdom. In fact, that, that's the third thing that we have to look forward, that the animal kingdom will be, will be rebooted back to the Edenic stage of interaction. When you look, there will be animals in eternity. And the, the new earth will be filled with it. And if you want to see where that is, you can just look in, in Scripture at uh, the prophet Isaiah when he's describing the finished work of God on this planet. Listen to what he says. This blows my mind because no parent would allow this to take place today, what I'm about to read. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. It's kind of like going to the zoo and looking at the animal, you know, like the lion shelter. It's like, all right, Johnny, go. You know, it's like, no. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. Dum, dum. Where are the parents? The young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. Do you get what this is saying? This is saying that I don't know if you've ever been hiking or you've ever been out in the natural world where it's like inspired you, where you've come over a hill and all of a sudden you see an ocean or you see a mountain range seeing any kind of elevation, if you come from Illinois, is a, is a blessing. And it's like, when you see that all of a sudden, and it takes your breath away. You're like, amazed. I wish I, could, I wish I could be here. I wish I could live here. Do you realize that you're looking, when you're looking and you're studying biology, or you're looking at animals and, 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 and zoology, and as you're looking and you're seeing animals, and you're like, just like, that is so amazing. Do you realize that the, the amazing thing you're looking at is the fallen part of creation? That anything we see on this planet is experience the damage and the pollution of humanity and sin. And we're looking at that and we're blown away. And we're rightfully so. Because scripture says that we should look at creation and say, this is the movie trailer for the actual thing. This is the awkward, frustrated, abbreviated, abridged version of what we're ultimately going to experience in the, restore, in the great restoration where God makes all things new. And that should prompt in a believer... That should prompt in a believer a reaction and a response. The response is worship. I ran across a, a, a movie trailer for the, uh, for the documentary Planet Earth 2, which is kind of ironic when, when you think about what we're talking about today. But Planet Earth 2 is, is like the, the second part, obviously, to Planet Earth 1, where it was this, this, uh, this documentary about how amazing nature is. So cool. But as I was watching it, I was just like, man, I got to write down some of the thoughts that are going through my brain about how amazing this, I'm so absolutely excited about what God's going to do. And I want you, if you're a believer, I want you to be on board with this. I want you to walk with this amazement. So I want to show you that movie trailer and just read to you what I was writing when I was, when I was watching that. So take a look. When we imagine the new earth, we cannot help but realize how amazing our current planet is. The psalmist says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. 
Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words. No sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. But creation senses the conflict. Creation groans. The animal kingdom, the natural world, crafted in beauty and design, and beautifully designed by an artist engineer with profound interest in detail. The fusion of form and function. Adaptable DNA allowing each species to blend and thrive in its respective environments, reproducing the next generation of offspring who bear the fingerprints of their designer's trademark intentionality. Creation groans for the end of foreign invader of strife. The persistent threat of danger, the constant drive for self-preservation and survival. The anxiety-riddled earth dotted with death and violence. And their groans have not fallen on deaf ears. The Creator Himself told us that He will bring a rescuing work to this earth, to the home He chose for His creations to dwell. A place where groaning for life will no longer be necessary. A place where the perpetual projection of beauty and life will go on. They will go on as a worshipful reminder of the simply amazing complexity of our great God's art. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look! God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them, and He will be their God. Amen? Are you excited about that? See, what Paul says is this is the hope that we are saved. And this hope, God's restorative work, we have to look forward to. May we, in light of what Scripture says, be people who walk this planet in worship. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and close in worship.